0: Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian and Anthony McDaniels bringing you another episode of the Wacky World of Energy. Now for those of you who may be tuning in from last year when we were doing this pretty regularly, this has now become a monthly segment because, well, there's some big hitting stories and sometimes the stuff, especially with the conflict in Ukraine, doesn't change as quickly as we want to. But still, we've got a lot to talk about today and well, I guess <laughs> let me be a bit more polite. Where are my manners, Anthony? How are you doing today?
1: Well, I'm doing just fine. We got some snow
0: falling outside, so yeah, that's some snow. Nice. <laughs> well, our first story. We're going to start it out in the international uh, segment, and then we'll eventually move to domestic. But we've got some news on Russia oil production. Anthony, care to take it away?
1: Yeah, so this article can probably be found in various sources by now it uh, came out February 10th date of our recording is February 15th and basically uh, Russia will cut oil production by 500,000 barrels per day next month according um, to their deputy prime minister Alexander Novak Um, so it's about 5% of its output of approximately 10 million barrels a day. And this is in response to Western sanctions, such as Perdue's proposed price caps on Russian oil. Um, I think even the Russians are seeing that because uh, they had threatened to stop selling oil to countries participating in the price cap mechanism at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same reason that's the challenge is the same reason why the sanctions are the challenge, because the oil just kind of goes into this global pool. You send a, a tanker or a crew to some refinery complex in the Middle East or Asia or whatever, India. And they mix it all up, and then then, then they sell it to the highest bidder, more (laughs) or less. Who who wants the diesel? Who wants the gasoline? Who wants the finished products? Most people don't import crude outside of India, like in scale, big refining. China, Asia, India, they do a lot of refining. Middle East does a lot of refining. The United States also does a considerable amount of refining in and of ourselves, even though we haven't built a new refinery in a long time. So I think my, my take is, and this is just a guess, my take is they found it easier just to say that we're just going to cut volumes. right? We're just going to cut volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way for anybody to really, I guess, direct where the crude goes and doesn't go is probably going to have to stay off of seaborne cargoes. So don't be surprised to see if another pipeline project gets turned in to go from Russia to China, stuff like this, not just for gas, which they've already approved. One, they have one going, they have another one that they wanna open up in the next couple of years. Maybe oil as well, I don't know, we'll have to see. But neither, regardless of why they did that, I think it's just, they just wanna pull more of their energy off the market. And the easiest way for them to do that is to just not put as much of it on the market. Mm -hmm. Um, And in seaborne situations, if they truly are having to go through their own tankers and their own insurance and their own this, that, and the other, they could say that they're cutting output when in reality they might just think that they got half a million barrels a day to put on tankers that they know won't go to the Western or NATO alliance countries. Mm -hmm. They just know it like at least until it's been turned into a much more expensive refined product. Yeah. And this story is
0: also particularly interesting based in perspective, because I saw this headline and a lot of people said, Oh good. The the sanctions are working, but I don't know. I think this quote from the article from the Epic times uh, this is Putin himself. As for a reaction, I've already said that we simply will not sell to those countries that make such decisions. We will think maybe even about uh, possible, if necessary, reduction in production. And to me, that sums it up. It's it's in the ball is in Russia's court. They can make the decisions, and even just saying that they're going to cut production is going to have a positive impact, like you said, whether or not they actually do it. It's going to be reflected in markets, so I'm still really confused. We've talked about this internally, about Western media's perspective surrounding all of this, but uh, I guess we'll just have to see how it continues because... at this point, Russia's got the world, really Europe, in its grips in terms of energy supplies. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sums up pretty much the newest in terms of uh, Russian energy, so next we have to get to a hot topic Natural gas now spot commodity prices all over the world are going to be wildly different, as I'm sure most of you listening know. It's about 250 or even lower right now in the states, but this article from Oil Price, released on February 15th, uh, actually the day of recording, Anthony sent it over, is titled "Natural Gas Futures Contracts Suggest Europe's Energy Crisis Isn't Over." Europe's national gas futures point to structurally higher prices for the rest of the year as Europe will soon have to start refilling inventories. The TTF price, Europe's benchmark, slipped Monday to the lowest level since September of 21, and Europe looks confident that there will not be gas shortages this winter. However, the race to supply for next winter hasn't even started in earnest yet. Prices are set to hold higher than before the Russian invasion of Ukraine through the summer as Europe will face stiffer competition from Asia for LNG supply. TTF futures for December are priced above $60 per megawatt hour. I'm sorry, 60 euros per megawatt hour, notably higher than the 54 per megawatt hour for March. So this is weird because I feel like uh, Europe's plan was, "Hey, let's just get through the winter and then all of this will be over." But as yeah. everyone knows, the conflict continues and now the next biggest issue is going to be securing
1: resources for the following winter. Yeah. And just to remind everybody, while we are almost exactly a year out from that Ukrainian invasion from Russia, they, they being the European Union, had months of preparing for the winter we're going through right now on fill up before the gas was really shut off. Right. Mm -hmm. This time, getting to the end of this winter, getting ready for next winter, there's none Russian gas coming in at all for the whole fill-up period. So people are trying to raise the alarm, like you don't don't think that it's too, um, everything's fine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because everything's not fine yet, right? Um, And and natural gas prices uh, seem to have significant dislocations. Uh, We have Henry Hub right now floating around 250 an M. And you know, we, we know for a fact that in December of twenty twenty two, when Natty gas on the Henry Hub was trading four to five an M, the SoCal border price into California was over thirteen an M. We also know for a fact that the price being sold in Europe is thirteen, fourteen, fifteen dollars an M as been in recent history multiples of what the Henry Hub price is. Mm -hmm. So one of our associates was at Nape in Houston a couple weeks ago, and they were hearing some people talking about this LNG and shipping it across. And I don't have an article for this. I apologize, but you know, uh, they were kind of talking basically it costs, I think it was four to $5 an M on average to ship it across the Atlantic. And when they get there, they sell it for 15, at least the time period they were referring to was probably was December, maybe January. The point is there's a huge arbitrage there. And even the shippers that were talking about this know that that won't last forever. A lot of this is going to probably be determined based on LNG export and import terminals, Right? because you can't just you can't just pull up to anything and no 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 this is a very very delicate process right you you have this methane gas that is basically cryogenic state liquefied natural gas so when you go to unload that it takes very specialized equipment you you have to be careful obviously because you don't want things to go boom yep so we're probably gonna see a lot of volatility in natural gas prices in the united states the united states is a massive producer of natural gas i think our production is something around 85 bcf a day something like that Mm. It's, it's enormous um but that being said how much we can get out to europe or anywhere that wants the lng um, is going to largely be determined on the capacity for the terminals to move it, to load it onto the the tankers that are going to take it over the ocean. And then on the flip side, the terminals that, and the capacity that they have available to receive it and to unload it, right? So um, natural gas is going to be... Probably gonna have a lot of spreads between Henry Hub pricing, which everybody quotes—that's the futures price, that's the—that's what everybody's benchmark is—and spot prices in various regions, um, not just in other countries, but also within our own country. Mm-hmm. You know, again, in December of 2022, when Henry Hub was averaging four to five, the SoCal border price for gas to come into California. Was over 13 so there you go
0: yeah and then as far as what this article mentioned about competition from asia for lng that's certainly a factor that maybe didn't play in as heavy last time because asia that's not just china that's going to be china pakistan countries like india who are looking to triple their consumption of natural gas yeah. by the end of the decade so that's only going to make it that much harder for europe to secure those resources through the winter so if this winter was you know perceivably bad then i think next winter is going to be a whole lot worse but who knows maybe we get lucky yeah. with warmer than average weather yeah. like the headlines claimed again
1: yep and they won't have the opportunity to uh open up the Nord Stream pipeline anymore <laughs> oh. for a long long time that takes us into our next Why don't you tee this one up Thomas? yeah funny you mentioned that our next article is actually a bit of an
0: independent piece this was published from seymour hirsch on his substack page And uh, a lot of people have been fighting over the, you know, credibility of this article because there's lots of claims and it was all attributed to a single source, but still it brings up lots of information that you just can't quite refute. The title of this article is pretty blunt, How America Took Out the Nord Street Pipeline, and uh, essentially he goes through the claims of how the United States went to Panama City to recruit non-special operatives so it wouldn't have to be reported to Congress, and then took them to Norway, dispatched from there, planted C4 charges on the pipeline and blew it up. But I can't say I'm entirely surprised. That was one of the leading theories that happened at the time. And it just seems like more and more evidence is coming out now that that was most likely the correct theory.
1: The short version is that during the summer of 2022, when NATO was holding joint op drills off the coast of Norway, that they used that cover, to plant devices that they later detonated a couple months later, I believe it was uh, the joint drills were in July of 22, and the explosions happened in September of 22. Um, so everybody put on their tin hats. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, though: this is what we try to promote out here at Rare Petros in regard into the oil industry, the energy industry in general. Do your own thinking, all right? Do your own research. Anything we say, like anything you hear on the news or anywhere else, if you're interested in it, go find the information for yourself and draw your own conclusion. These are extraordinary times. I don't think anybody would really debate that. Hmm. Um, The norms that we've had in geopolitics, energy systems... um, Social norms, even like a lot of things in the last couple of years, man, are not even close to what people were used to for decades. And um, it doesn't look like it's getting going back to normal anytime soon either. You know, when this first happened, uh, the immediate thing was Russia did it, Russia did it, Russia did it. Russia might have done it. I'm not saying that they didn't, but here's something that everybody should really, really ask themselves: If you can control the flow upstream and you had already shut it off, then what purpose is it to blow it up downstream? Like, you don't need to blow it up to cut it off. You already cut it off. Yeah, you definitely. shut a valve. <laughs> but that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. So qui bono? Who's to benefit? Who is sending a lot of LNG to Europe right now? The United States. I mean, that's a fact. The United States is sending a lot of LNG, a lot of natural gas to Europe. Russia had already shut off the flow. Look, (laughs) I don't even know what to believe anymore, but I know this. The logic does stand in direct path to the headline of that article. It just does. Mm. Okay. So this is a thought experiment we've been doing with within. <laughs> Whether it's true or not, if enough of our countries that are foes of ours believe it to be true, they'll use that as all the fodder they need geopolitically to retaliate. Okay. And these are very, very weird times. There's probably a lot of nefarious stuff going on and a lot of stuff that nobody's ever going to hear about. And it's always been that way. But at the end of the day, Russia said, we don't care about the Western system. We don't care about your sanctions. They sold as much oil in 2022 as they did since 2019. The sanctions didn't work, guys, unless you consider working, jacking up the energy prices in Europe. That's how they worked. And everybody out there talking about how how it's hurting their economy and this and that and blah, 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 blah then how come they sold so much freaking oil? I really would what somebody to explain that to me. Okay? Because I don't I don't see you know, so here we are with an explosion of a natural gas pipeline. Everybody agreed from all sides that it was sabotage, that it wasn't an accident. Okay? So who is to benefit from said sabotage? Again, Russia already shut it off upstream. Is it possible they did it just because, you know, they're warmongers? This, this, yeah, of course it's possible. It's also possible they didn't. Mm-hmm. So keep an open mind and understand that there's a lot of things at play. There's a lot of things in motion here. And if enough of these other countries believe that this has merit, that's just as much of a problem as if it was true or not we're not out here talking about it because we're trying to promote that idea. We're out here promoting do-your-own-thinking, just Mm -hmm. like with climate narratives. I mean, the irony of ironies is that for all of the things that the climate agenda, that the environmentalists rage and moan and piss and whine about, I've heard no environmental outrage for the hundreds of thousands of tons of methane that were released Released into the atmosphere by that. Mm -hmm. Where where are all the Greenpeace boats? Where's Greta? Seriously, (laughs) I'm serious. It's a serious question. Where is the outrage? Where is the, oh, I can't believe that somebody would do that because it harms our environment so much. I mean, my God. You always hear about how much of a problem that is. Why is it not a problem now? I... It sums off right I would yep. say the sums fishy in the water okay more than the methane that got released and you know I just I just look at this whole thing and I think man <laughs> who's playing who mm-hmm. right who's winning who's losing who's playing who right this is a big old chess game going on But at the end of the day, Russia sold as much freaking oil in 2022 as they did since 2019. Look it up. At the end of the freaking day, their economy might not have even contracted in 2022 compared to pretty much every economy in Europe. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, you know, maybe they... Maybe they would have put gas through the Nord Stream again at some point in the future if everything got calmed down in the future. This that well, it probably won't happen now. Um, it may not have happened anyway, but yeah, I mean, the reporter that broke this, you know, people will say you know he's tried to break news articles before and there was it was a nothing burger. There was nothing there. Yep, and. Couple of times he hit the nail on the head. Um, if you really want to break out your tin hat, the, uh, the 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 people and you know things are getting so weird. I, I don't know what to do sometimes, other than just say, "Well, I mean, consider this, consider that." But but there there is a theory going around that leaking this, not putting it all over ABC and NBC and CBS and M- no no no, but leaking it was kind of a, a, a dare from the CIA to Russia. Like, yeah, we want you to know that we did that. And we're not going to put it all over the nightly news, but we want you to know that we did that. Now what you going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, this article came out. When did this article come out? It come out... February 8th. Uh, February 8th, a week ago. Today. Yeah, not that long. Um, yesterday, it was reported through all mainstream media that... Uh, for the first time since the fall of the Soviet Union, Russian Navy vessels are dispatched into the Baltic Sea, armed with nuclear, tactical nuclear weapons. So, buckle up, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't... I, I, these are dangerous times. We need to remember that this fight, this problem, this whole thing, though stems from energy. Who has it and who doesn't? It'd we, serve us quite well to remember. That's the moral of this story, everybody. The, the big tug of war, who's got what, who's got the control, who doesn't? It's who's got the energy. Everybody talks about it. No, who's got the militaries? Oh, yeah? How do you afford that military? How do you pay for all those boats? How do you pay for all those planes? How do you pay for all them tanks? Revenue. hmm Revenue. And what's one thing that everybody wants? Energy, man. Pure and simple. It goes beyond want. It goes to need. Right? Russia knows it. The United States seems to have forgotten that. Europe has darn sure forgotten that. But that's where this all comes from, you know? The irony of ironies is that all these efforts to try and kill conventional energy. What they call fossil fuels, which is an absolute misnomer. They're hydrocarbons, everybody, (laughs) and come from fossils. They're hydrocarbons. Hydrogen and carbon put together calls a hydrocarbon. They are an organic material that come from the crust of the earth all on its own. We demonize something that we all need to enjoy the life, not just enjoy, but to live with the population that we do. And what, it, what do we get at the end of the day? A potential threat of a nuclear escalation? Because I'll tell you one thing, all these climate agendas about <laughs> a, whatever, 1.5 degrees centigrade warming in 100 years. Guys, none of it matters if a nuke flies. Right. None of it. And if what this whole tinderbox got started because people would neglect the realities of energy, neglect the realities of what they were using. I get the whole not-in-my-backyard mentality. But the thing that's the worst is when you still can't acknowledge that you're using it and you need it. Other people will exploit that, everybody. Wake up. If you work in this industry, somebody wants to talk to you about quote-unquote fossil fuels and the environmental concerns, ask them where's the environmental outrage about a gas pipeline that got blown up. Where's the environmental outrage about a war that continues month after month after month after month, it just doesn't stop. And I don't, it doesn't appear that Russia has any plans of giving up anytime soon. Hmm. Regardless of what you hear in the media, all I'm seeing is the statistics say they sold just as much oil last year as they have through at any point in the pandemic. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on, you know, and this whole thing, and fossil fuels, quote unquote, are bad. Y'all use them. Y'all probably listening to this on something that has hydrocarbons in it. Something that was mined with hydrocarbon fuel. Something that was manufactured with hydrocarbon. If it was electricity, it was probably a 70% chance it came from a hydrocarbon source. Coal, natural gas, maybe oil. All right, so... They ain't no getting away from it. You need it, right? If you want to do it cleaner, you want to be more efficient, that's amazing. That's great. That's a noble goal. But if you want to demonize something that everybody needs, use fights over, risk nuclear war over, wake up. Your climate agenda isn't going to mean much if we end up throwing nukes. It won't mean anything. And, it, and if it doesn't, that it's not nuclear weapons, if you make a lot of people poor, they don't care about the polar bears. They care about how i am going to stay warm and how am I going to eat. That's what they care about. That's it. Mm-hmm. They don't have the luxury to worry about what the climate might be in 100 years. They're worried about how they're going to eat now. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. So if you care about the environment, you might care about making sure that you don't impoverish billions of people by energy illiteracy over some dogma that doesn't even add up. I mean, you wanna talk about environmental concerns? How don't we tee up the next article here, Tavis? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I was just about to say the knee-jerk reaction when we hear about a lot of this is, oh, that's a conspiracy, but even if a certain percentage is true or even if someone believes it to be true, it can change how things happen. And this next story, you might wanna use it to exercise your noodle. I'm sure some of you have heard about the recent stuff in East Palestine, Ohio. This article is from ABC News, titled, Charges Dismissed Against a Reporter Who Was Arrested at the Ohio Train Derailment. Now, for those of you who may not be in the know, because this isn't exactly on the front page everywhere, there was a train carrying many cars of vinyl chloride, it derailed, there was an accident, and the solution was to burn off the chemicals, let it run off into local waterways, And I guess just hope that nobody noticed. Unfortunately, some journalists went in and immediately they were arrested and shut down. And now the charges are dropped, which, oh, it's all said and done. Great. But too little too late. I kind of wanted that reporter to be there when he was there. Not, oh, well, we're not going to press anything now. Well, the story already broke. There's lots of information that is sort of getting, I don't want to say swept under the rug, but this was not a popular story back when it happened.
1: No, it wasn't. And you could argue this is the worst ecological disaster in the continental United States in a 100 years. Yes. They're calling it the Chernobyl of Ohio. And still we're bad, focused on guys. some oil and gas emissions in North Dakota. No, no, this is by far supersedes anything else going on in industry right now. Absolutely a horrible environmental disaster. You have a reporter who wasn't being violent. He was out there asking questions and they arrested him. Where the enviro... Tree-huggers here. I mean, this happened right here on our shores.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right here. It's an absolute debacle to say it nicely. Now, a lot of people want to talk about why it happened, whose fault it was. Look, look. (laughs) You can do all the reading you want about whose fault it might be. The point is, it happened. Okay? And the response... From our Department of Transportation secretary is silence. That's not good. You have some reporters in there asking about the hard questions that a reporter should ask, like well, what kind of chemicals are these? or are people getting sick? I mean, stuff all over social media about people whose animals are just dead, 10 miles away from where this thing's burning. Dead. You know, I mean, maybe some of that is hyperbole. I don't know. But the point is, it's obviously a big freaking problem. And nobody really wants to talk about it. Why? Because, at the end of the day, the government has a lot of culpability in it. Not a politician. The government system in general. Go ahead and read up on it. Go ahead and read up about the train breaks and the history of that. And how this went. Who pushed for them to relax the standards and this and that. At the end of the day, though... This makes the authorities look really bad, and so when they arrest a reporter who's out there trying to do a story on this, now well, you want to talk to me about your environmental concerns about carbon emissions? You have an actual, acute, very acute <coughs> environmental disaster around a population of people, and and you just don't even want to really acknowledge it. it you can find it on the mainstream news, but they don't. They're not really. <sighs> It's just so flaccid, you know. Where's the environmental outrage on this? My God, you try to you try to put a pipeline in the middle of the country, and you get you think that you've enraged half the country because of these protesters, quote unquote, that are there with their signs made of oil, mind you. <laughs> you know, where's it? It, it's it's hypocrisy. It is. So at this point, I just this whole environmental argument. Oh, we need to get off of. Clinical fossil fuels because of the environment Baloney If you cared about the environment If you really did The same people that say that all the time Would would be in an uproar about this Their And it doesn't seem to be much outrage about this Stop They so want to keep it as quiet as they can mm-hmm. No instead we get to read articles about UFOs Over a freaking country <laughs> At the same yeah. time this is happening I mean it's mm-hmm. absolute It's 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 intellectual debauchery it's absolute hypocrisy. It's horrendous. I can't it stand it. And these are the same people that want to ban your access to free, um, abundant, a reliable, not free, nothing's free, <laughs> but free to access for anybody who allows the programs. If anybody allows the exploration of oil and gas, they usually find it. It's not everywhere, but it's in a lot of places. A lot of different countries, a lot of different basins within those countries, so on and so forth. Europe has not made it free to go explore. When I say free, freedom to do it. Okay. Europe has banned fracking, basically. And oh, I need natural gas. Why'd you ban fracking? Well, it's bad for the environment. The same people that say that kind of stuff here are ignoring this. Mm-hmm. I call bullshit. Yep.
0: There's no consistency because if tomorrow a train derailed and one of the cars carrying oil spilled 2000 barrels onto the ground, I guarantee you that would be at the front page of every major media news outlet. And if you don't even consider that arresting an investigative journalist is not a good look for something surrounding an event like this. So again, we're just trying to tell people there's lots of information out there. It's fun. That energy is the common thread that runs through all of these stories but just exercise a little bit of self thought, ask your own questions, and see what you can find because there's lots to consider. And like Anthony said, whether or not it's true, convincing someone it's true is half of the battle in getting some point across. But I think we've probably beat this dead horse enough. Should we move it to our last domestic article? Yeah. This one's a bit more closely tied to oil and gas, which you might expect from the Rare Petro podcast, but this is from oilprice.com, published yesterday, recording on the 15th. This was published the 14th. U.S. to sell another 26 million barrels of oil from the SPR. And this one was a bit surprising to me because it's kind of on the hush-hush. The last year we sold it, yeah, everyone knew about it. There was a plan. But now that line has run flat for a little bit, and it's about to drop again.
1: Yeah, they're just dumping more more, more oil on the market. Now they said it's because it's the congressionally mandated amount. to sell. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, I don't know if the administration could have been more flaccid in their attempts to say they won't do any more sales. I mean, they just didn't – they didn't – they didn't pursue – Blocking more sales. They just did another one. Another 26 million barrels. After they've already done over 200. Hmm. I mean, come on, everybody. This is ridiculous. I mean, the U.S. House passed a bill to limit those withdrawals. January 27th. Another oil price article that I'm just going to pop up in here. U.S. House of Representatives and the House voted to pass vote as the Strategic Response Act, H.R. 21, in a vote 221 to 205. Getting the support of One Democratic lawmaker. The bill will now go to the Democratic-led Senate, where its passage is much less certain. Basically, it stalled in the Senate. Nobody pushed it. The Biden administration didn't push it. And they just, you know, hey, let's sell another 26 million barrels of oil. Mm -hmm. Find it odd that oil prices are actually, considering all the geopolitical turmoil out there, they're not even close to all-time highs. No. They're very muted, in our opinion given all the uncertainty on the globe right now. Mm -hmm. And they're still dumping more oil onto the physical markets. Why? I mean, there's a lot of articles coming out. You can find them if you look for them. There's a lot of people very concerned about the physical market, like things drying up, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had a couple of weeks now of pretty decent inventory builds for sure. Crude inventory builds are going... Some of that was the refinery throughput really went off a cliff in the middle of January because of the cold spell that went down all the way into Texas and through most of the country. Um, and it's recovering, it's still not fully recovered, but we are seeing that you know crude oil stocks, even gasoline and diesel stocks, are getting starting to get back in their five year bandwidths. So everything looks like it's getting better. Um, I wonder what the reason to dump another 26 million barrels onto the market. I mean, they don't – who in Congress was going to get mad if they didn't do the sale or if they waited until the end of the year to do it? Yeah. To me, it just seems like let's just let's just keep dumping stuff on the market as long as we can't keep this. Buy as much time as possible. Buy as um, much time, yep. Buy as much time, buy as much time. Keep the physical markets supplied – Keep the futures markets feeling like everything's okay. Maybe it is everything is okay. But I don't know why you would so aggressively draw down a strategic reserve when you've already arrested the runaway increase in fuel prices and gasoline and diesel. That's already crested and it's gone down. So what's the point of this extra withdrawal and doing it now? Why Why now? Like you could have easily just said, we're just going to do this later. We've got to talk more guys. You know, we might actually need these strategic reserves. Um, But you know what? That's what we got. We got another 26 million barrels (laughs) scheduled to be released. um, I'm worried. From the SPR this year. I don't know. I don't know when it's to be sold. Um, The barrels were due to be sold from the SPR prior to September as part of the congressionally mandated sales. So I, I, I think they're being a little tight on this, like when, like they said, they'll sell another 26 million. Well, when is that going to happen? Are they going to just dump all of it in the next four weeks? Are they going to wait until the end of, you know, later in the year? Are they going to spread it out? I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been able to find anything about that. I don't think they really want to advertise that a lot, hmm. to be honest. Hmm. Um, it's
0: uh, who knows, you know, I do My biggest concern here is when you extrapolate it a bit, because at the bottom of this article, the administration announced a range of between 67 and $72 per barrel at which it would begin buying crude to refill the SPR. It's possible. I guess we could hit a $72 barrel, but it's just really strange, like you said, to see this at a time when we might actually use the SPR for what it was intended for. Not to bring more gasoline to the market, but to, you know, support potentially a war machine. So, uh, I... I would be surprised if this was the last sale we saw this year. I don't agree with what's going on, but it's it's not a good position, strategic position to put yourself in when you consider
1: things going on in the world right now. Yeah. But, I mean, with that, I guess we can just wrap it up for this month, and, uh, yeah, see everybody again next month. Oh, yeah, we'll be back.
0: And for any of you listening, if you want to read more about what we talked about, I always link the articles that are of interest right in the description. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can go right below. If you're listening to the podcast, you can find them linked on www.rarepetro.com. And while you're there, check out all of the other content. We've got the Nick Turns writing new periodicals. We've got myself working on Monday Madness. And Scott and I just released a Basin Breakdown by the time you listen to this. So there's plenty of information out there. We just try to bring as much to the table for you and encourage you to think for yourself. I mean, if, there, if that's going to be the theme of WWE, that's what it would be. Think for yourself. Sift through the knowledge. But I'll get off the soapbox now. This has probably gone on too long already. But, again, this has been Tavis Killian and Anthony McDaniels with Rare Petro. Until we see you next time, take care,
1: everybody. Thanks, Tavis.